Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the third episode of the Gremlin Talk podcast. I'm your host, Max Shea Smith. And today we are going to be talking about the Spartan Mexico North American Elite Series race from this past weekend. And I have a very important announcement and I'm not going to spoil it in the intro. So you're going to have to wait and see what it is. Okay. But I'm really, really excited about this week's episode. I hope it resonates with you. I hope you can find some little, little gems, some little nuggets of wisdom in what's going on in my life okay so i love you all and i hope you enjoy the episode hello 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 good morning good morning gremlin talk oh god the pod is it a little too loud are we good now are we good okay hello fuck that was too too much too excited hello Okay, welcome to the third episode of Gremlin Talk. I am really excited. So this is the third day that I've attempted to record this podcast. I've been through it in the last week. I had a trip to Mexico. I made a really big life decision. Things have gotten a little out of hand. So let me set the scene for you. So yesterday, wait, yet again, I am recording in the Calabasas Starbucks parking lot from the Prius. Okay. Yep. Still homeless. And that leads into my my big thing I'm going to I'm going to tell you about here in a second. <sighs> okay, so yesterday was Monday and I wanted to record the pod. So Sunday night, I went out with two of my friends, Erica and Justin, who are most definitely my most wild friends. Like when I go out with these friends, I'm making the worst decisions. I'm drinking the most. I'm being the most out of control. We're telling stories. We're encouraging each other's bad decisions. We are chaos together. So I haven't seen them since March. I think the last time I saw Justin was slow, which was March 5th. No, 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 March, whatever. Week after Hyrox, New York. And we got a hotel room in Culver City so that we could just drink in Culver City on a Sunday night. I got obscenely hammered. I hate, you know, I, I'm not a big drinker. I go through cycles of drinking a lot and then drinking not at all. And then, you know, the very sporadic, like, blacking out on four drinks with my friends. <laughs> so... I got really, really drunk off like four drinks uh, over the span of four hours. And then we slept at a Culver Hotel, Hotel Culver, like it's a really old, really gorgeous hotel in Culver City. And then, uh, yeah, I had to go to work the next day. So I woke up at the crack of dawn because I'm still in East Coast hours from the White Mountains thing. And then being in Mexico, we were also on East Coast hours because we were so far south east in Mexico. All around, it's just been kind of an insane. I had to go to the dentist hungover. You literally do not know pain until you've been at the dentist hungover. And they were going to redo. I had a filling that hurt to floss. This is way too much information, but that's just where we're at today. So I go to the dentist and uh, I was like, hey, like, I don't really feel like I need this filling. Like it's flossing. Fine. So I didn't have to get a filling. Thank God. Can you imagine dental drilling while you're hungover? I imagined it. I didn't like it. So I did everything I could to avoid it. You know, how to get my teeth cleaned or whatever. And of course, they're like scraping your gums with needles. And they're like, well, you should floss. I really don't think it's the flossing that's hurting my gums. Yeah, I floss like, 
Anyways, I have lots of beef with the dentist and I will talk about it on another day. But then that evening, I ended up going to dinner with Justin and David because they're very sad because, drumroll please, it is my last week at my job. Okay, wait, I, I can't talk about this yet. So that's the, that I guess is our intro as to what we're going to talk about today. I, I would like to start by talking about the Spartan race in Mexico because it was so cool, such an interesting experience, and I agreed to do it like three days before. So I'm going to recap Spartan, and then we can go all into me leaving my job because that's kind of major, Okay. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. I wanted to talk about this quote that I saw because it had me actually rolling on the floor. So it is a meme and I will repost it on the GTP page, the Gremlin Talk pod page. You see what I did there? Let me pull it up because it made me actually cry. So if you know me, whenever I do anything suffery, I always call it fighting demons. Like, ah, oh, yes, can't wait to fight demons in the dark. You're just in your head fighting your mental demons, right? I got sent this meme and it made me cry. And it's, it's a cat and says, at this point, I decay if I'm fighting demons or if I'm the demon. And I think the fact that I'm in a, I'm at a point in my life where this, this quote is utterly thought provoking for me. <laughs> it, why not both? Why not both? We're fighting the demons within us because we are the demon. I don't know. I just, it's fighting demons and I, I am the demon. I think both these things can be true. And I hope that it resonates with the gremlins because you guys have serious gremlin energy. Okay, so yeah, now let's get into the, let's get into the pod, okay? So Spartan Ching, Ching Hopin? Ching Hopin? <laughs> Was the third race of the Spartan North American Elite Series. Spartan this year decided instead of doing a U.S. National Series, it's it's the series of races where all the elites go. There's the most money to win. It's the most competitive races of the year. The obstacles are the hardest. Like it's it's just the most fun and most difficult races of the year. So Spartan decided that this year instead of doing a U.S. National Series, they were going to make it the North American Elite Series. They announced the first two races of the series, which were San Luis Obispo and Big Bear. I I went to San Luis Obispo. I didn't go to Big Bear because I wasn't planning on racing the series, which makes the fact that I got myself to Mexico, but not Big Bear, which is literally in Los Angeles, just even more questionable. <laughs> North American Elite Series, it is San Luis Obispo, Big Bear, the Mexico race in Puebla, Utah, Spartan, July 9th, and then uh, there's a race in Canada. So you have to get points in the series by coming to these races and it's your best four out of the five races that count for points. I'm not really racing the series for points this year. I'm definitely not. I don't consider myself to be like an elite elite. Like I'll, I'll jokingly say, you know, oh, I'm elite. No, 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 no. I'm not Lindsay Webster. I'm not my girl Faye Morgan's fifth in the series right now. I'm not on that caliber. I just like am decent at obstacles and I can run kind of sometimes. So I don't consider myself elite elite, but I do like to come to the races because they are challenging. I love co good competition, which is why I moved up from age group to elite in the first place. I guess I really should have given you guys more background on how Spartan racing works so we can 
talk about that very briefly. But basically in Spartan racing and a lot of OCR in general, but specifically Spartan, they're like the main player in the obstacle course racing game. You can race open, which is non-competitive. You don't have to do burpees if you fail obstacles. You can skip things you don't want to do. Not everything's mandatory completion. A lot of people run open and it's very culty. There's a lot of obstacle course racing that is just like super weird and culty and I don't like to affiliate myself with that, but people love it. Like if people run Spartan races for fun, they they love it, you know. So there's the open waivers and then there's age group, which is the competitive-ish heat, you know. So people who want more of a challenge and more competition than open or are just starting out in the sport will start an age group. So a lot of the really big names started in age like Annie Doobie. Annie Doobie won the age group championship, I think last year two years ago and now she's one of the fastest girls in spartan age group is a really great way to gain experience on the competitive side and get better and then you know move up into elite eventually if you so choose to my own path in spartan i i've never run an open race i've never run anything (laughs) non-competitive because I if it's not competitive I am not having a good time and I know this about me and I've accepted it I've tried to work through it by polarizing the way extreme and doing things super competitive and then going to like a very non-compete headspace and for me I'm performing my best when I'm competitive and having fun doing it so we're staying in that but so I ran age group I think I ran three age group races so my very first Spartan race I think I told you guys February 2020 I got like fifth I had COVID it was in Arizona started doing CrossFit summer 2020 became a whole different athlete started training specifically for this and then I won a couple I think I did two more age group races after that I did the stadium race in LA and then I ran the Tahoe North American Championships for my age group and I won that I had told myself if I won Tahoe I was gonna have to move up to elite because there just isn't you're not getting better if you're not with good competition it's just a fact of life you know if you want to get faster you have to race with the fast girls you can't just win everything and be like I'm getting better every like no you have to be challenged and the fast girls will push you in ways that you've never been pushed before so I win Tahoe and I tell myself I'm gonna run elite now so I move up to elite last November or so and I told the story on my first pod about (laughs) my big bear race (laughs) My first elite race was the very last race of the North or the U.S. National Series of last year. So it was like the most competitive race of the entire year. Everyone's there trying to get points for their series. And I just show up and I'm like, hmm, it's my first elite race. This is kind of fun. <laughs> it was a really good time. I was really hard on myself for not placing well, but you have to temper your expectations, right? I am now only racing in elite. I ran, I've run four or five six elite races so far my best finishes were second and third at socal spartan but for now i'm just kind of embracing the growth process i'm learning i feel like i'm learning something every single race which is a really special place to be especially so early in my career in spartan i haven't been doing this really for a year i mean i got serious about it last july or so having this opportunity to go to these elite races and meet all these girls i've befriended girls i've looked up to since i started in the sport i'm like 
you guys are awesome. <laughs> Almost everyone in the sport is so freaking cool. Name an elite and they are literally just so cool. It's been really fun and I feel really welcomed into the community and I'm having a blast, honestly. Running hard, competing hard, uh, getting to play on obstacles. I'm learning so much. Experience is everything, especially in this sport and having the experience of running elite is just really special. I don't take it for granted, that's for sure. I look up to these girls a lot and they're fast. I put out my best effort out of respect for the sport and those women. That is how I got moved into, or I mean, forced myself to move into elite. It's a very big jump. It's very scary. The difference between age group and elite, there is such a chasm between the two. I think girls who move up from age group to elite have really high expectations. A lot of girls who are winning their age group or at least on the podium extremely consistently, they go to races expecting to walk away, you know, with a first place medal. And that's just not the case when you're running elite. I literally was like last place almost in my first two elite races and then somehow turned it around at SoCal Spartan and got second and third. But it literally is such a humbling moment to be the best in your little field and then get moved into the big girl pro wave and you're like, whoa, everybody's so fast. Why are we going so fast? So it's been really, really fun, challenging, great learning opportunity. And that is why I am racing the North American Elite Series. I want to be at the most competitive races. I want the experience. I want the learning opportunity. The obstacles are so fun and it's been a really great experience for me. I raced slow and that was after High Rocks New York and I was just not in the headspace to push a fast 10k after High Rocks. The suffering of a short effort like that is so different from a 17 hour ultra it's just not even comparable so I run Spartan slow the first race of the series I have a really good time I didn't feel good but I got to hang out with all my friends and I got to meet some girls and just had a blast I always find positives in experiences that aren't that positive so I had a really good time at Spartan slow but after that race I basically decided I wasn't going to chase the series I wasn't going to go out of my way for any Spartan races for the rest of the year so the fact that I ended up in Puebla how how did I you might be thinking, Mac, you really seem like you're one to decide something and then go back on it. I call that being flexible, okay? I don't think that anybody should have to stand by their bold opinions all the time, okay? It's called being flexible. It's called, I changed my freaking mind. I got more information and I learned and I grew, okay? I am, I kind of had FOMO after the Hyrox Vegas World Championship weekend, but I really was not in a place where I could travel and race because I ran Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim the weekend before. So the Mexico race is coming up. It is Tuesday of the week and they released the course map. I looked at the course map and it looked so fun. I have not been doing Spartan for very long, disclaimer. So I've never gotten to do a swim. I've never gotten to do twister, monkey twister. I've never gotten to do, there were just a bunch of weird obstacles I'd never had the opportunity to do. And I was so freaking excited. So I look at the map and I'm like, shit, dude, that looks really fun. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it. I haven't done speed work in months, by the way, because I've just been training ultra distance efforts and doing a big event, recover, doing a big event, recover. So I'm looking at the course map. I text Alicia Cooker and I'm like, girl, how are you getting to Puebla? She's like, oh, are you down? We're flying from Tijuana to Puebla on Friday. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I didn't have 
any PTO, by the way. I had used my last 15 and a half hours to go to the East Coast for Alex's birthday extravaganza the weekend before. That hasn't even been two weeks now. It's literally been like nine days. Oh God, someone just pulled up next to me. I'm parked literally in the middle of the parking lot. Literally, why? Homegirl, why would you park next to me? Oh my God, this is awkward. Ugh, okay, I made that so weird. It didn't have to be that weird. So Alicia tells me her flight. I go look at flights. They're like 450, which isn't bad. It's three days before the race. And I, I book a flight. I said, fuck it. I asked my manager, Casey. I texted Casey and I said, hey, uh, I know I have literally zero hours of PTO. Would it be cool if I took unpaid time to go to this once in a lifetime race in Mexico? And he said, you know, let me double check with my manager. And so I took unpaid time. I flew to Mexico. We race on Saturday. So we flew in Friday night, drove from Puebla to Chinghopen. And we were in a very rural part of Mexico, by the way. Internet was not working anywhere. So we had to go to an ATM and get pesos (laughs) to pay for a hotel. God, it was just so chaotic. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Alicia's hypervolt Theragun massager got taken at the Tijuana airport. They're like, we can't take this. And we're like, it's a massage gun. And they <laughs> they didn't understand what it was. So they took that. Not a great way to start the trip off. I ate so many bean and cheese burritos. I loved it. It was so fun. I'm a vegetarian. So that does make traveling kind of difficult sometimes. So in Mexico, I ate many quesadillas, many bean and cheese burritos. It was a blast. We wake up super early get to the race on Saturday morning and I'm so excited I get to just hang out with my besties all my friends are there it was so fun to say hi to everybody and we're in Mexico like we're having this weird experience everyone is like worshiping us because I mean they don't know who's elite elite and who's elite so they just think we're all cool which was awesome <laughs> I was like this is sick dude people would ask what time we race and they're like oh 8 10 they're like oh Oh, you are the Alita. God, what? Feminist? Fem- feminist? And we were like, see, si, see. Si. And they're like, oh, wow. Like, people were so shook. So that was kind of cool because in the US, it's just like, eh, whatever. You're running elite. You're not. Lindsay Webster, doesn't matter. We're at the race, warming up and everything. I'm just not feeling too good. So it's very high altitude. We started like 8,500 feet. We climbed up to 10 something. High altitude just isn't really fun. I mean, I live at, I'm in Malibu. I literally live at sea level so it was not going to be a fun race going up to altitude so all of us sea level people were like oh boy this is rough walking around in the, the high altitude so we start the race and i just very quickly decided that the race my body did not feel like i could push if that makes sense i've had this at high altitude before basically even your moderate easy effort feels really hard your heart rate is way high and your breathing's kind of off and it's just the effects of being at high altitude so I immediately was like oh no I do not feel very good I had Heidi Jorgensen a little bit in front of me I caught up to Heidi and then her and I ended up just chatting (laughs) for eight miles I caught up to her we started talking so again the fact that we're like running easy enough to talk but weren't able to push to another level is just indicative of what it's like to run at high altitude Heidi and I were running together we're talking about my boy drama we're talking about life and philosophy and books and things we get lost around mile eight 
of the race. We end up in this creek bed and we had to find our way back down to the actual course. From that point on, her husband caught up to us. Her husband, Josh, he was running, I think, age group. He caught up to Heidi and I and I was like, okay, I'm feeling kind of good. So I pushed it a little more and left her with her husband. The race was supposed to be 13 miles and it ended up being like 15 15 and a half or so and seeing the course map I knew the first eight miles of the race weren't supposed to have many obstacles maybe you know one a mile or so and then there's a really big gauntlet of like 20 plus obstacles in the last mile mile and a half so there's like a swim and then twister olympus a rope climb like all of those things I'm running and my watch says I'm at mile 11 and a half I'm like how have I not gotten to the obstacles yeah I was still just deep in the forest with no end in sight I gave up on looking at my watch I decided I was not going to do that and I was just going to go by feel I'm running I come upon the swim I jump in the water it feels so good it was really warm not super warm but fairly warm and sunny so it felt good to get in the water just do a nice little reset there were maybe 10 obstacles left so I get to twister monkey twister I don't know I just lost my focus on it so twister is like this spinny obstacle thing and then it was connected to monkey bars and it was connected to more segments of twister and i just kind of lost my focus and fell off and i was like damn that was the one obstacle i really wanted to stick with and i couldn't so that's something to work on for next time and it has the world's longest penalty loop so it had a sandbag penalty loop it took five minutes heidi and amber caught up to me again so heidi and i ended up finishing the race together we both miss our spear so we have to do 30 burpees and i'm like heidi i'll stay with you she's like yeah i'll stay with you like we can finish this together we get to olympus and i <sighs> hurt myself so I get to the end of Olympus hit the bell jump off come down on my ankle so weird it rolls and then pops and I'm like instantly tears came to my eyes that pain got the breath knocked out of me by the pain and I was like Heidi dude it's over and she's like do you need me to carry you <laughs> we have three obstacles left okay I can see the finish line and I'm like no 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 like it's okay like the adrenaline will get me through we get over the a-frame cargo there's a rope climb I come down weird off the rope climb of course we jump over a four foot wall jump over fire jump and then we're done and I'm like bro my ankle is I'm done for I ended up walking around on my ankle the rest of the day if you saw my Instagram story you probably saw me taking shots of mezcal with women who don't speak English <laughs> so here again is perks of being 23 finish the race my ankles all screwed up talking with all my besties hanging out and these ladies come up to us with bottles and they're like shot shot getting us to take mezcal shots I'm like oh hell yeah you came to the right place nobody else wanted to take shots and I understand I'm with a group of elite elite athletes fuck it we just ran 15 miles my ankles broken like yeah this is what I came for I came for marks okay so I get VJ to take a shot with me and then the ladies are like oh come back to our tent with us I'm like okay sure so I go back to their vendor tent with them and they're just pouring shots they literally do not speak English there was one girl who was able to translate nobody else spoke English they're all taking pics with me they think I'm like such a celeb because I ran elite and I'm like I'm just little old me they give me a tiara I have a tiara on I'm taking shots with these ladies it was absolutely so chaotic and very on brand for me I was like of course I'm like the leader of the gremlins wearing a tiara taking mezcal shots <laughs> 
it was on brand and I had way too much fun. So I got really drunk off Mezcal. Faye, Alicia, and I drive back to, we have to go to the airport. So we don't even shower after the race. We are disgusting. I take like a bird bath in the airport shower. Faye, Alicia, and I get drinks from the hotel bar. We get some food and then, yeah, we fly to Tijuana, get into Tijuana, get across our border. And our car doesn't start when we get back because one of the kids left a light on. At this point, we'd been traveling 36 hours essentially because we had left the morning before and we're non-stop driving traveling racing by the time that we get back to our car and the car doesn't start we were just feeling so defeated i called AAA. they got there like an hour and a half later wow it was just i'm skipping many other chaotic details but that was my mexico trip yeah i came home with like a broken ass ankle it's actually doing okay right now it's not super bruised it's a little pink and a little puffy but i got myself a nice splint i'm working on my range of motion so somehow i think i avoided major injury i'm hoping by the end of the week i'll be okay to start running again which is utterly shocking because when i heard that pop i was I'm done for you know I heard it and I was like I'm in so much trouble I'd gotten off the plane and it had swollen to the size of a softball that leads us into our second topic there is a thing when you decide to make a big life change you decide to break out of your self-conceived or preconceived little bubble of what's possible for you the universe kind of decides to just absolutely wreck your shit everything will go wrong you're gonna break your ankle you're gonna get a flat tire you're gonna something's gonna break everything that can go wrong will go wrong and that's just the general rule of making big life changes okay for me currently i'm sitting here with my busted ankle it's tuesday morning i've got some coffee i'm sitting in the prius that i'm going to be living in and my tires are low pressure one of them is seven psi lower than the other so i probably have a nail in my tire i'm gonna wait this afternoon to find that out everything that can go wrong will go wrong and you have to learn how to roll with the punches and get through it so i'm leaving corporate America. I'm leaving corporate America. I don't even have words. I don't even know where to begin with this. Essentially, since I started my job, I have been feeling like I need to escape. That sounds really bad. My job is really great. On Like, there's a lot of things I really like about my job. I just have a lot of issues with commitment. I never wanted to be in one place for very long. So the fact that I've been here for two years, almost two years, is pretty shocking and as a Sagittarius I think I should get a lot of credits for that like a lot of credit a lot of a lot of creds a lot of props for that I am leaving corporate America why am I leaving corporate America I guess this goes back this goes back to my childhood so (laughs) I have always been I talked about this on the last episode a little bit I have always thought that my achievements were a defining characteristic of mine. They made me valuable. They made me important. They allowed my parents to see me. It's like a very deep childhood wound that my achievements are so important to me. And and I've gotten way better about this. Like the fact that I can show up to a race and be like, I don't care how I do. I just want to have fun. That is so against the grain of my childhood wounds. It's very powerful. Something I've had to learn through COVID. I've always loved math and science. I've always been a smart kid. I, I actually, weird fact, I skipped first grade. I think I should do like a weird childhood fact corner because last, last episode I told you guys I was a rock climber. This one can be that I skipped first grade. So I graduated college when I was 21 actually. So I've been a smart kid. Loved math and science. My dad's an engineer. So my dad is a civil engineer. And whether it was subconscious or conscious, I just feel like 
my whole life, I was told that if I didn't get an engineering degree, then my degree didn't matter. So when I was in high school, I got recruited to play volleyball at Colorado School of Mines, which is an amazing engineering school. I went for an official visit and I was just like, this is a weird school. I don't want to go here. I ended up going to the University of Arizona, majoring at first in general engineering. So they have like a general engineering. And then after the first semester, you can pick a track. My second semester, I picked biomedical engineering. Could not stand it. I thought it was so boring. I didn't understand why anybody would want to be a biomedical engineer because it was so boring and just the job opportunities and the there were a lot of weird little things about it. I switched to chemical engineering at the beginning of my sophomore year. Second semester, sophomore year, I actually tried to switch to environmental and my dad talked me out of it. I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I don't want to take a second semester of OCHEM. Like I'm going to switch to environmental. And he was like, McKenna, Shea Smith, no, no. And this says a lot about my beliefs about money and stuff. He said, McKenna, you are going to make so much more money as a chemical engineer. Like, do not switch. Suck it up for one semester and get over it. That is not the right path for you. And I said, okay. And then I registered for OCHEM too. That's literally all that's it. That was all it took. It was just my dad telling me I wasn't gonna make as much money. And I was like, yeah, of course, that's what that's what I want. After my first internship, my sophomore year at a semiconductor manufacturing place, I was like, ooh, I don't know if corporate America is right for me. Very scary thing to figure out halfway through your chemical engineering degree. I started learning about the jobs available in chemi. Everything's manufacturing. Everything's in person. Everything's in weird rural areas. I very quickly started to find out in chemical engineering that this might not be the path for me, but I already had the sunk cost. I was there for two years. I was good at school, so there wasn't like a, wasn't like I was failing my classes or anything. I actually had, this is such a flex. I had uh, like perfect grades through my chemical. So any chemical engineering course I took, I got an A, so I had a 4.0 in chemi. Like I was good at school. I liked school. I liked learning. It was fun. I thought it was interesting, but the actual applications of my degree were so sketchy <laughs> sketchy at best I didn't want to work in oil I didn't want to work in defense I somehow end up working in defense I can talk about my job on another episode but I, I I ended up in an industry that I'm not super morally excited about all these things being said again I cannot emphasize enough I really enjoy my job I like going to work I like seeing my coworkers. I enjoy being in the lab I love my group I love my friends like there are so many positives to my nine to five, okay? I really like my job. However, in the last year, I've started making money off social media. I've started getting more serious about racing. This content thing is literally taking over my life. I never really understood how much effort and energy and time goes into this until I started trying to do everything. YouTube especially, I think for every minute of filming, it takes at least three to five minutes of editing to finish a video. Oh my god, more than that. I guess like a 20 minute video takes me at least a couple hours. Anyways, we're getting off topic. So the content stuff is like taking over my life. I got my life coaching certification last year and I haven't gotten to do anything with it because I'm so freaking busy with training and work and I've been traveling every weekend and I kind of hit my breaking point. In early May, I was looking at apartments in Santa Monica. So my plan was I was going to move to Santa Monica. I was going to have a big girl studio apartment. I was going to be paying, you know, two grand in rent every month. I was going to live the classic corporate LA girly lifestyle. And I found an apartment. I was confirmed I was going to apply on Monday. So this is a Thursday, Friday. 
my friend's dad died. So my friend's dad, Dave, he guided us in Grand Canyon. And honestly, he's one of those people that I would consider having a very large fundamental impact on my life. Like the way he lived his life, the way he approached the outdoors. It was very eye-opening for me to be in the Grand Canyon. It was last April. So April 2021 was when we went on this trip. And in my journal in the canyon, I wrote some goals of what I wanted to do with my life, where I wanted to see my things going. And this was right around the time that my TikTok was starting to go off. Like not really, really, but just I was gaining a lot of followers. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And I came to the conclusion I wanted to use my platform for good. I wanted to inspire people to run and be outside. I wanted to encourage a love of the environment. I wanted to women in STEM. Like I I wanted to put a positive impact on the world with my content. So I came to that realization when I was in the canyon and then I got my life coaching certification and I was just finding that there could be other opportunities besides my nine to five to make an income. I think we do live definitely in the age of the side hustle. I know so many people who have corporate jobs with side hustles or have even left corporate jobs with side hustles. My friend Alicia especially was so inspiring to me. She started her own coaching business and left her terrible accounting job and now she's like literally thriving doing her coaching business so I've had a lot of just inspiration around me and Dave dies Thursday I think it was May 7th and then I was supposed to sign this lease and then something else happened that weekend I can't remember and I just had a bit of a freak out and I realized I couldn't sign a lease I just realized this is never what I wanted. I lived in a van the first year that I was working at my corporate job. My whole life is structured around adventuring and racing and I just don't feel like my whole vibe is corporate America and I got really freaked out at the idea of staying for another year just to make enough money to pay for my lease just to stay and I just I got freaked out. I got freaked out. That's all there is to it. I decided I was going to quit my job in early July. Since May 7th, the last four weeks or so, I've made my peace with the idea that I was going to quit my job. I wanted to give my current, my, my position, enough time to fill the spot. I wanted to let them have a heads up. I was really scared to tell them because they're like family to me and I just didn't want them to literally hate me for leaving them, which is not even close to the case of how it's actually been. So I was like, okay, I'll quit my job. I'm going to go backpack the Colorado Trail. The Colorado Trail runs from Denver to Durango, 500 miles, takes like four to six weeks. That is my current plan. I was going to move out of my house June 7th. That was when Tess sold and closed on our house. And I was going to move in with one of my friends and her boyfriend and stay in their guest bedroom for the month and then leave and go hike the trail and figure my shit out, you know, and live out of my Prius and live my life. June 7th comes around and my living situation is not figured out. My friend whose bedroom I was supposed to live in kind of ghosted me. It's a whole thing. I don't want to spill the tea on the podcast, but I'm upset enough about the situation that it was very impactful. And thank God for Larkin. So Larkin is my coworker whose driveway I lived in for like five months when I was living in the van. And she has a guest bedroom, three wild children, but very generous. She said, you can come stay with me as long as you want. I go to her house and I tell her the situation and she says, dude, don't quit. Do not quit. That is such a rash decision. 
you should take leave of absence. You can come back to work. You can come back and work part-time. There are so many other options. You'll be able to keep your health insurance. Like, do not close this door before you are completely figured out. For love of God, just take leave of absence. So I go into work the next day and I tell my manager I'm overwhelmed, which is 100% true. I am so overwhelmed trying to balance everything. This podcast project, I want to work more on my YouTube channel, content, traveling. I also just have this very free-spirited nature and I feel so trapped right now. I told him all this and he's like, dude, you need to live your life. He took it so much better than I thought he was going to. I was like crying telling him. I was like, Casey, I'm so sorry. Like I'm just so overwhelmed and I have to leave. And he took it so in stride. He helped me get all the paperwork together. He's so supportive. I'm literally so grateful. I would not have made it this long at my job if it were not for my manager and my immediate team because they they get it. They they get it. I work with a bunch of 45 and up Hispanic men and they are just so they're so funny because they all got married super young and they all have a bunch of kids and they're like I get it like go live your life so my plan right now I'm on a three-month leave of absence starting on Friday which I'm incredibly excited about I'm very sad and I'll talk about that in a little bit but I'm getting my shit together I've donated almost all of my belongings and I still have more stuff to donate so everything I own fits in the back of a Prius Prime which is ridiculous I was never like this as a kid I always had a ton of stuff and now I'm like How can I live with almost nothing? There's just something so freeing about having no belongings. I'm going to build out the back of the Prius over the course of the week. I will be documenting all of it for a YouTube video because I need to focus more on my YouTube channel because there's just a lot of money to be made there and it's fun. And now that I have more free time, I'll be able to do that. God, yeah, that's that's everything, I guess. I'm so excited. I'm having a going away party Saturday night. I plan on getting very drunk, hugging all my friends and telling them how much I love them. And then Sunday I leave. So what is is the plan post corporate nine to five, you might be wondering. Prior to actually taking leave of absence, I was like, you know, I'm going to go hike the Colorado Trail. I had no other plan figured out. I was like, maybe I'll spend some time in Montana with Kira, who's my best friend who lives in Bozeman. No plan. So basically, as soon as I decided I was taking leave, everything fell into place, which is cool because my current life is falling apart with, you know, my ankle and my tire and all that. I am going to be leaving Sunday morning. I'm going to go on a long road trip maybe up the coast. I have to end up in Idaho, which is pretty inland. So I'm trying to figure out the most beautiful path to get to Driggs, Idaho. I have a 24-hour adventure race. Oh my god, next Saturday. That is so wild. I feel so unprepared. An adventure race is mountain biking, hiking slash orienteering, and paddling. Essentially, we're just going to get lost in the woods. That's that's really all there is to it. It's a team race, so there's three of us. I am going to get myself to Driggs for the race next Saturday. Hopefully get some, like, acclimatization? 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 Oh, my God. This podcast is, like, turning into words Mac can't pronounce. Acclimatization? We're going to go with that. So I need to get acclimated to the altitude, get my ass to Driggs, and then we're going to run the race next Saturday. David, who is my coworker, bestie at Davidson Minerals, him and I are going to the Wind River Range the week after the 24-hour race. And him and I are going to, I don't know, backpack, hike, camp, avoid grizzly bears, just kind of vibe and exist in the wilderness. He's taking the week off on PTO. Jealous. I don't have any PTO to take, but you know. So him and I are going to be in the Wind River Range. And then this is so incredibly random, but I was running Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim. And I'm running with a bunch of boys and we come across another bunch of boys running the opposite direction. We run by them and one of them stops and he goes, hey, wait, 
are you that girl from TikTok? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, hi. He's like, my girlfriend follows you. Like she said, you'd be down here and I should look out for you. And I was like, that is so sick. It's so nice to meet you. Can we send her a video? We send her a video. I think her name's Lexi. Hi, Lexi. So <laughs> he runs his own podcast where he interviews ultra runners. He said, dude, it'd be so cool to interview. Could you come on the pod? Him and I record a podcast episode and we just ended up talking for like four hours. We just had a lot in common and could kind of get into some topics so him and I talked about running for four hours together and so his name's Joe he randomly texted me or dm'd me out of the blue and he was like hey I know this is super random he lives in Arizona by the way I live in Los Angeles hey this is super random I'm planning a fast packing trip in the Tetons from June 30th to July 4th would you be interested in coming like it's really weird to find people who do the same kind of sport and have the same skill set I was like hell yeah dude I will actually be in the Tetons somehow I will literally be in the area for that exact date range there's no travel required for me I just have to show up so I'm going fast packing in the Tetons with Joe from June 30th to July 4th which is great it's great timing after the Tetons I'm going to be running the Spartan Utah beast the next race of the north american elite series which is cool i wasn't planning on going i have a bunch of spartan friends in utah there's like a whole group of women that live up there who i met at tahoe and like very much befriended so i've got a bunch of guest bedrooms i can stay in i'm gonna run that race july 9th after july 9th i'm going to go on a road trip to durango so i'm probably going to go down through central utah i want to go to moab it's gonna be really hot but i want to go to moab get myself to durango and then i'm gonna fly durango to denver and then my ex-boyfriend, I hope, I haven't really told him this plan. I hope he's not listening. Hi, Zach. I'll text you before I release this podcast. I swear to God. I'm hoping he can pick me up from the Denver airport and then get me to the start for the Colorado Trail. So after that, I will just be walking for five weeks. I will be living in the wilderness. I will be camping full time. I will be literally homeless because I'll be living out of a tent and a car. So that's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to backpack for five weeks. That will end us in middle of August, maybe end of August. I'm going to get myself to Big Sky and Bozeman, hang out with friends. And then that takes me up through my three months. I don't know what I'm going to do after three months, but that is where that will lead me. I'm basically going to be living maybe the coolest adventure of all time. I'm just free spirit traveling. Lived in the van for a year, but I was also pretty stationary. Like I was going on weekend trips, but mainly just living in California, going to my full-time job. There are definitely a lot of skills that I picked up living in the van that I'm really grateful for that will carry me into this adventure. Everything comes back around. All the lessons I've learned, everything ties together. I'm really excited to build out the Prius. I honestly felt like the van was too much space, which I know is insane, but it's a little too much responsibility. It's too big. It's too much. And I didn't get to live with as little as I wanted. So now I get to live off nothing. I'm going to figure out, I'm like turning around to look at my car. I'm going to figure out how to turn this this little Prius Prime into a home, how to turn this vehicle into, a, how to turn this hybrid, this plug-in hybrid electric vehicle into a home. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just really excited. I feel really free. Again, I never wanted to end up in one place. I'm 23. I've got a good amount of money saved up from living in the van. I'm pretty frugal. Like I do travel a lot, but that's also because I had almost no actual expenses. I have a car payment that's like pretty low key. And then my rent was like $750 a month when I was living at Tessa's. So I had a lot of disposable income. Okay. All my, all my retirement accounts are maxed out. I've got my own personal investment. Very, very financial financially 
sound. If there were ever a time to do it, it's now. I'm planning on just running my ass off. I'm planning on running as many miles as I can every day. I'm planning on making a bunch of content. I'm so excited. I'm gonna have so much time and energy to put into my YouTube channel and my podcast. And I'm excited about the Colorado Trail. I'm thinking of the views. It's my way of lensing my soul of corporate America. Honestly, the goal of this three-month leave is just to get some clarity as to what I want. I I want some clarity. Where am I going? Where is this all going? I know the future is not certain and that we're all in our 20s just figuring it out. That's that's where I'm at. I, I need a break. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so drained. I'm so burned out. I come into my job and I'm just apathetic and that's not how I want to feel. I've never been somebody who half-asses anything. I want to do everything well. Right now with the way my mental and physical state of being is, I can't give my 100% to my corporate job. So taking some time. I'm going to reevaluate things. Nobody in my group thinks I'm coming back, which is kind of rude. like you guys don't know that I could come back and they're like you're not coming back I'm like I might though please it's not a no it's just truly and I don't know it's just an I don't know I actually have a meeting with the director of my lab on Thursday that I'm very scared about because he's really serious and scary but basically I'm gonna tell him Franklin I I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I'm scared and I'm gonna be really lonely but I I just need some time to myself and I need some clarity I need to get some space and figure things out and I think that's actually a very mature response and I think a lot of people don't know they're burned out until they are gone until they're quitting so taking leave of absence baby I'm so excited I have so many so many adventures and tales and content and there's just so much opportunity in the world so I get to use the world as my oyster as much as I'm excited I also am definitely scared of course, I would be I would be foolish not to be scared, but I think that that means it's a really good growth opportunity for me. And the fact that I'm willing to pursue it, even though I'm scared, is a great sign. I loved living in the van, and I think that living in the Prius is going to be a fun extension of that. I'm getting rid of all my stuff. I just feel so free. I feel so light, and I'm going to miss my people so much. This whole week, I've been just evaluating all my friendships, and I feel so blessed and lucky that I have these people in my life. Like, I feel so supported, and of course, my friends are sad, but they're also so understanding of the fact that I need to go and just be a free free spirit. I'm so grateful. I went to dinner with Justin and David last night, and honestly, David is one of my closest friends in the world. Him and I can talk for hours about absolutely nothing. He's like a brother. So he has two sisters. I have two brothers and it's like being siblings. It's the best. Just watching his personal growth over the last six months or so that we became friends and my friendship with Justin is really strong and the three of us, our friendship. I was just like, I feel so lucky that I get to have these friendships and cultivate these really close relationships with people who were strangers two years ago. I never knew any of these people before I worked at my job and now they're my closest friends. I'm definitely in my nostalgic phase of leaving. Again, I don't feel like it's forever. I feel like I'll be back even if it's not in a full-time sense at my job. I just feel like I'm coming back to LA. So there's no reason for everyone to freak out and stress. Maybe September comes around and I come back to Los Angeles. There's just, I don't know. That's, that is the whole point. We do not know. I, and that's the way I, I wouldn't have it any other way. None of this has been on a whim. I think people look at my social media and they think that I'm unstructured and chaotic and there's no plan. That's, it's not even close to true. Everything I'm doing or have done has been in the process for years. I've been feeling this way for years. I've been thinking about how I can make adventuring my full-time gig since I was 
like a freshman in college. There's just, it's so mean and just uninformed to look at my social media and assume from, you know, a one minute TikTok that I'm just a complete mess who doesn't have it together. Like, bitch, I have a maxed out Roth IRA, okay? (laughs) I'm 23. Relax. I'm going to figure it out. Everything's going to be fine. And we're moving this new phase with as much grace as we can give ourselves. I'm hoping the universe does not throw any more wrenches my way. This week, I'm building out the Prius, which is so exciting. I'm going to take the back seats out. I'm going to build a back platform. I'm going to get a car rack. So like a roof rack with some storage. I need a different bike rack or I'm going to try and figure out how to put it on the roof rack as well. So yeah, I'm just going to be bopping around, mountain biking, running, doing weird workouts in the the desert, in the, the forest, and just living my life on my own terms, learning how to be selfish. And this is so crazy because when I was dating my college boyfriend, I was so afraid to spread my wings and fly. I did not do anything alone. It was hard for me to do things without the support of another human being. So I definitely am so amazed at my personal growth and I'm ready. I'm ready for this phase of being uncomfortable. I feel like the stability served me. I I lived in the van. Things were very unstable for a year, but I learned a lot and I grew in a lot of different ways. Went to therapy, got some stability for seven, eight months. And now I'm just ready to be uncomfortable. I'm ready to throw myself into the fire. I'm ready to see what I'm made of. I'm ready to just have a less comfortable existence and grow as a person. I'm so excited. Like think of the people I'm going to meet. Think of the places I'm going to go. Think of the mountains I'm going to climb. I, I just, there's so much joy and wonderment in this decision. That's pretty much everything. That's why I'm leaving corporate America. I'm sure I will think of more things that I'll have to talk about on another podcast episode about this because it's just going to, it's going to get really out of control here. I'm planning on while I'm on the Colorado trail, I still want to keep up with the pod. Of course, that's like five weeks of content and shit's going to get crazy. So I was probably just going to record it on my, oh, I could buy like a little microphone, like a a little iPhone microphone and record and edit it on my, oh my God. See, we are, I am resourceful. That is what I've learned living out of vehicles is that I am resourceful. So that's what we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to keep up the pod. I'm really loving the pod. Thank you to everyone who sent feedback last week. It was really helpful. Actually, it wasn't that helpful because you all gave different opinions. Some people said they liked the short episode. Some people said they liked the long episode. So it didn't really help me make any real decision about the direction I'm going to move this podcast in. My final closing nugget today is I did not learn how to live my life for me until I was 20. No, 21. I didn't break up with my boyfriend until I was 21. I did not know how to live my life for me until I was 21. And it has been the most valuable experience to push myself out of my comfort zone, learn what I want, learn what I like, figure out what I enjoy doing, figure out how I want to spend my time where I see my future going it has been utterly transformational and I feel so in tune with my intuition and so connected to myself through all these experiences any opportunity you have to pursue that I will encourage you to take truly it 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 has been the greatest gift of my life to have these two years of being single and living in the van and figuring my shit out it's all been very important for me. So I highly recommend it. And I hope that if you can take something away from this, it would be that. I am going to leave you all on that note with my adventure plans. 
So as always, you can follow me, Max Shea Smith, on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. You can follow the podcast page at Gremlin Talk Pod. I'm going to get more on my meme game for the Gremlin Talk Pod. I apologize for last week's episode being late. I had so many technical difficulties. I actually wanted to cry. I recorded that podcast four times. I recorded the first one three times and that was an hour long. So you can imagine how much <laughs> how much time I'm sinking in this pod. But it is actually my favorite form of content. I love being able to just sit in my car with a microphone and talk about what's going on in my life. It's kind of therapeutic. Brings me a lot of joy. Brings me a lot of peace to know that this is a very safe space for me right now. I love you guys. As always, I hope that you are somewhat partially inspired to go on your own adventure. I mean, maybe you look at my life and you think, wow, I would never do that. That sounds awful. I get it. You know, it's not for everybody. I get comments on my TikTok like, the Prius is a little small to live out of. I'm like, yeah, maybe for you, you live in a house. I, I want less. I want less space. I want to be uncomfortable. I don't judge you for living in a house, so why would you judge me for living in a Prius? Podcast in the Prius lives on. Bye.